Let's just read the first seven verses of 2 Timothy, chapter 2, and then we will break it down verse by verse. <clears throat> you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, and that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. As we take a look at our, the scripture here today, Paul, Paul's second letter here to young Timothy, Pastor Timothy in Ephesus, is reminding this young man, Timothy, and paints a very clear, simple picture for this young man, explaining what a pastor is and does, the principles, the attitude of the pastor. These same principles, the same attitude for this pastor, for the pastors or those in the ministry, apply to you and I as a Christian as well. And Paul presents seven attitudes of the Christian minister in chapter 2 alone. We're only going to take the first four attitudes or illustrations, images that Paul outlines for Timothy to remind him what he needs to do as a pastor there in Ephesus. And as we, as a Christian, in our life serving God. We see here in this section of this letter that Paul is going to highlight hard work. Because it's not easy to be in the ministry. Working hard for a faithful God. We just learned in chapter, the last part of chapter 1, Paul encouraging Timothy to be a faithful servant. Now, you're to be faithful, Timothy, in the ministry. And now he says part of that faithfulness is that it's going to require you to work hard. Not only are you going to work hard, but you're going to now teach this to others so they understand what it means to be in the ministry. And it isn't easy work. It's going to take hard work. And so the very first example Paul gives us is to stay committed as a steward. The first example or imagery is to stay committed as a steward. You have been deposited. You've been committed to. You have been given, committed to, which in the original language means to a deposit. You've been given treasures. You've been giving something of tremendous value. You don't just sit there and do nothing with it. You are to do something with it. And he, that's the emphasis that Paul gives to Timothy. You must do, not just sit around and just listen and be hearers of the word, but you must be doers of the word. You must take this treasure, the word of God, the apostles' 
teachings, and you must take that and give it out faithfully. So we see here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, stay committed, be strong. He says, you therefore, my son. Again, the, the intimacy, the relationship that Paul had with Timothy. He wasn't his blood son, but it was his spiritual son. He discipled him up. He raised him up in the ministry. He was a son to Paul. Paul would have done anything for this young man. Anything. To help this young man to grow and to mature and to help him. And we know in the scriptures, Timothy was not a real strong man. He was a very timid type man. He physically was sick. So you know Paul was ministering to his sickness and hurts and, and his, in his weaknesses. and Wherever it is mentally and spiritually, Paul was there for this man. From a young man. He says, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So we see that God deposits to us spiritual treasures as a steward. The ministry is not something we get for ourselves and keep to ourselves. It's a, it's a mindset that people have in Christianity. I am now saved. I've got the word and it's just for me. It's just only for me. And whatever happens to everyone else is fine. I, I don't care. I'm the one that's saved. And, and I'm just going to live my life as a Christian as best I can. And I don't really care about anyone else. That's not a Christian life. As a steward, if you've been given the truth, you are to apply it to your life. But you also, as a steward, are to then give out that truth, that treasure to others who are in need. That means, that means sharing the truths with those who are lost, who are going to hell. They need to hear that truth. You have children, dad, mom, you have the treasure of the word of God. You are to deposit, you're supposed to give that to your children. You must. You're a friend. You must give out the word of God to the friend. You're a steward of a good treasure that God has given you. And yes, you must give that out to your enemies and to complete strangers. That is what we're to do. That's why Paul says, therefore, you're to be faithful, Timothy. We just learned that in chapter 1. Be faithful in the ministry. Now, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Why? Because it is our responsibility to guard this deposit, this word of God that is given, and properly invest it in the lives of others. And when you do that, it's not going to be easy. It's not easy to be in the ministry because you are going to be rejected by what you're teaching them. You're just pouring it out and pouring out and people reject you and reject you week after week after week, day after day, being rejected. Not easy to be in the ministry. But you're to stay strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Because it's important, Timothy. I have, God has given me the word of God, Timothy. Now I, Paul, am giving it to you, Timothy. Now Timothy, now give it to others. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to receive it and now pass it on to the next generation. And if you don't pass it on to the gener next generation, it will die out. And we have seen that in our own culture, have we not? It's important 
that Paul is encouraging Timothy. You need strength. You need endurance to fulfill the call that God has on your life, Timothy. And he gave him a, as a steward of this calling. And again, Paul says to him, encourages him 25 times in the scripture. Encourages Timothy to be strong and endure. Stay committed to the work there in Ephesus. What God has called you to do. Don't give up. And it seems that Timothy was a naturally, a timid Not a confrontational type kind of guy. Easily discouraged at times. But he needed to be reminded often to be strong and of good courage. Isaiah 40 verses 29 and 30 says, He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. And those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. We must renew our strength by waiting upon the Lord. We must get into the word and listen to the word of God and to allow that to strengthen us to continue to do and stay committed to what God's called us to do for his kingdom. Remember, we must receive that strength. God makes the resource of his strength available to you and I, to each one of us. He gives the supply. He sits it right in front of us. Do you partake of it? Do you receive it? Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 11. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That means God provides you the armor. You must put it on daily. You and I have a responsibility to do that. And you wonder why you're at risk every day if you don't wake up and put on the armor of God. You wonder why you're tossed to and fro and why you're attacked so badly. You must put that on because the enemy wants to take you out and make you ineffective for the kingdom of God that day. Yet it does not come as we sit back passively And suppose that God is some simply going to pour it out on you if you just sit there. No. You must. He brings his strength to us as we seek him and rely on him instead of our own strength. As soon as we think we're strong enough, oh, there you go. You must understand and I must understand that each day we wake up, we are completely depleted and we need to be freshly filled by the Holy Spirit. That we need to draw on his strength. Put on his armor for battle because it's a spiritual battle each and every day. And Paul told Timothy of the very specific source where he to go. He didn't say, hey, I've got some strength for you. You can be very strong. I've got the strength. I've got all the resources. I've got the armor of God. You just have to figure it out and find out. (laughs) He doesn't say that. He tells Timothy very specifically where the source is, where his strength will come from. And it's the strength, the strong, and the grace that is in Christ Jesus. This strength is in grace. It's the essential The strength and grace is essential for a strong Christian life. That's why we sing and worship of of His grace. Because apart from His grace, we will not make it. 
We're not going to make it. We are to be resting in the grace, the unmerited favor of God toward us that is in Christ Jesus. And when you rest in the grace of God, not on the law, not on the do, 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 but resting in the grace of the finished work on the cross for you and for me. That's when we, his grace gives us the confidence and the boldness that we could never have. Can you imagine if you're in a place right now in your walk that you're constantly waking up and saying, I wonder if I'm saved. Oh, I wonder if God's going to love me today. Oh, I'm not sure. Uh, you know how I was yesterday, and I kind of struggled this through my nightmares, and now I'm, I'm difficult today. I, 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 I wonder how God, what God thinks of me. Oh, this is not going to be a good day. If that is you, then you're not maturing yet. You need to mature in the grace of Jesus Christ, the finished work on the cross. You understand, once you're saved by his grace, you're complete. He, does, he wipes out your sin. You're as white as snow. So when you wake up in the morning, it's, it's by the grace of God that he's given you the breath for another day. And it's because of the grace of God that you have been forgiven and you know you're going home to be in his presence any time. And that he loves you and cherishes you and has the, wants to bless you and pour out his power in you to do the work that he's called you to do. You have to have that mindset every day. But the enemy's constantly trying to tell you, are you sure you're saved? Are you sure that's what God's called you to do? Are you sure that's what he wants you to do? Are you sure? This is really difficult. I think you should just not do that for God because that's just too much. He would never put you through any anguish or difficulties or hard work. If it's God, it should be so simple and so easy. See, these are tricks of the enemy. We should expect persecution. You should expect difficulties. It's called spiritual warfare. That's why he gives you and I the armor of God. His strength by his grace through Christ Jesus only. Not out of our own works, not our own efforts, and it's certainly not anything the world can ever offer, let alone your own strength. None of that will accomplish anything. Apart from Christ, you can accomplish nothing of value. So once you get that settled, that it's resting in his grace, his unmerited favor of God toward us, that is in Christ Jesus, that relationship that we have with Jesus, there's nothing that can make us any stronger than repeating in your own mind that I am a child of God. I am a child of God in Christ Jesus. When the enemy attacks you, no, 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 I'm a child of God in Christ Jesus. When someone else tells you, are you get your act together, are you sure you're a Christian? I'm a child of God in Christ Jesus. And I have the love and the favor of God even though I don't deserve it. Even though I'm not perfect. 
God is sovereignly working in my life, and I know without a doubt that God loves me. Did you know you're loved? You are loved. If you're a child of God, you're loved. Matter of fact, God so loved you, he sent his only begotten son. While you're a wicked, wicked man, he sent his son for you. That's how much he loves you. Do you receive the grace of God? It's a free gift. It's a gift. Do you know that? So here, just like the strength, he lays it right there in front of you. All you and I have to do is receive it. The question is, salvation, did you, do you remember the day when he set that beautiful gift of salvation in front of you and you received that gift of grace? Do you remember the day of salvation? If you're sitting here today and you have not received it, I pray today's the day God is holding the gift of salvation of grace in front of you that you now just receive it. Receive it and be saved. Paul knew what it was like to receive the strength of God's grace. He could encourage others because he knows what it means to receive God's grace and the strength in time of need. He's gone through the battle. If you've read on his life and gone through the scriptures, you know that he's in the battle. He's in prison right now writing this second letter. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, mostly, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Oh, I just want the, 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 the peace and the grace of God to rest upon me. Even if I'm in infirmities and challenges and in, in, in warfare, that is what I want. He continues in verse 2 as for the steward, and he says he's commuted, uh, committed as a steward in regards to spreading the word among faithful men. Look at that in verse 2. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So as a steward, he is committed. He is commanded. He is, has a deposit he must invest in other people. And that is Paul saying to him, commit these, to these, this, these truths to faithful men, who is able to teach others also. So Paul reminds Timothy of the body of truth that he had heard from the Apostle Paul. He reminded him, I've presented this truth to you. I have over and over and over. You can imagine how many Bible studies Timothy sat under Paul during his time. Study after study after study. He sat there and listened and listened and probably struggled with many of those things over time as many of you do as you hear the word taught and you've been here week after week. You, sometimes you struggle hearing the word of God. Because you think it's me telling you these things. No, I'm just sharing to you what God has shown me over a week of time studying of this scripture. I'm just reading the, the word and teaching you what it says. 
It's the Holy Spirit is trying to do a work in your life and you struggle with those because like all of us struggle wanting to not change. Not wanting to hear the truth. And how the Holy Spirit speaks right directly to your heart about things and you think I know that about your life and I have no clue what's going on in your life. And God's going to reveal to you like he did with me as we sit there and study the word, he'll put his finger right on a, a particular point that you know without a shadow of a doubt, no one knows about your life. But God does. And he puts his finger right there and says, I got you. I know what's happening. And I'm talking to you right now. And you cannot blame me. <laughs> you can't blame me. And I love it. Because only the Holy Spirit could have told and revealed that to your heart as you listened to his word. And Paul says, I've committed. You've heard me these things over and over uh, and among many witnesses. Even while I laid hands on you and ordained you to go out to do the work that God has a calling for you to do. If you remember the teachings, remember I even laid hands on you. Remember all the witnesses that were watching and hearing and listening. All of that. Commit these truths. Commit these to faithful men who are able to teach. It seems Paul, Timothy wasn't just to just go out there and just talk. But he was supposed to have a plan of action as a pastor. That there was, a, there was an order and responsibility and commitment as a pastor of what he was to do. And not only was he to teach others which is true, but he also, Paul, wanted to make sure that he committed these to faithful men. Why? Because God gave ministry to Timothy not for him to keep. He didn't get ministry to be in the ministry just for himself to have a livelihood. He didn't become into the ministry so he had something to do because he had nothing else to do in his life. He was given a ministry by God so that he would then pass it on to others. Why? Because God was making Timothy this faithful minister of the gospel. And because he was being faithful, God can entrust him with these treasures, these truths of the word of God, to faithfully teach others. That was a responsibility. It's part of the job description of a pastor. The job description, my, my, my job description is to not only teach the all sheep, but I am then to have a very, very specific focus of training up men in the ministry to teach the word of God. And the qualifications of what man I teach and invest and pour into to raise them up to do this work are men who are faithful. I'm not looking for good-looking men. I'm not looking very strong men. I'm not looking for entertaining-type men or men who have some wealth to them. So, oh, yeah, we'll get them in the ministry. they got a lot of money. Maybe they'll help us in the ministry. No, I don't look for any of those qualifications. I don't look for men who already have teaching abilities. I don't look for men who have the ability to have money or whatever, have resources, anything that they can have to offer. All I see in the scripture and where we're reminded here again by Paul to Timothy, fine, faithful men. 
And when God shows me faithful men, I pour into their lives like they're my sons. And I just wait and watch to see what God's going to do in and through their lives. And I encourage them. I may rebuke them at times. That's what dads do. They correct. Sometimes you just sit there and you listen, and you sometimes you just patiently wait to see what God's going to do, if they're going to stay faithful or not. And once they mature and grow and continue to pour into them and disciple them up, then guess what happens? They now know the treasure, the, the, the word of God, and now you teach them how to go out and teach others to the next generation. Not easy. It's long, hard work. But it's, it's the most rewarding thing I've ever done. I've taught many people many things in the healthcare industry, I've done a lot of things at work and training up people in, as employees. I've been in the military, and I've done a lot of training on quality. And you, it goes on and on and on. But the most rewarding I've ever done is watch young men mature and grow and be so fruitful, faithful servants for their, for their Savior. And watch them grow. And I can understand Paul saying this to Timothy. Just, Timothy, look out. Watch these things. These apostolic doctrines and practices I've been doing and been an example to you and teaching you and teaching you and showing you. Look the quality of faithfulness in men and find faithful men to invest into their lives so that this will continue Beyond me is in your life, Timothy. And after Timothy, after your life, it will be others that you've trained up. And that is how the gospel will continue to spread throughout the world. Through faithful men. Through faithful women. We don't need to find the smartest or popular, most popular, or the most non-difficult men. Or perfect or humorous. Or good looking. But Paul says, look for the quality of faithfulness. And that takes time. And then teach him, Timothy. Pour everything you have into those men. Into those who are faithfully wanting to serve God. Now we see the second illustration or example. And that is a soldier. To stay committed. To persevere for God with a soldier attitude. He says in verse 3, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Verse 4, No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. So Paul here uses this illustration in his letters very often. He's always bringing up the soldier, the army, and God's army, that kind of, a, of illustration. Why? Because he lives in a military state. The Romans were everywhere. The military was present everywhere. And plus, this man was always chained to a soldier in prison. 
So you're going to write about the things that you're always involved in. And so he's going to use those illustrations quite often. And he reminds Timothy the type of attitude you're supposed to have. Not only as a steward, what you receive, you're supposed to give out. You're supposed to teach. You're supposed to help and disciple people up. But as a soldier, you're to right here is this attitude that comes out. It's not a suggestion. He says, you must endure hardship. So the attitude of a good soldier, not just any soldier, but a good soldier, is willing to go through the hard times. Not only when you sit there and go, as a soldier, I'm a good soldier until I know the enemy's coming after me and then I run. That's not a good soldier. That's not an attitude of a good soldier. When things look a little, a lot of work to do as a soldier, oh man, they're going to have a lot of work. You're going to go hide. I'm just going to go hide and disappear and they'll never find me until it's all the work's done and then I'll pop back out and say, hi, I'm available. No, that's not how it works with a soldier. A good soldier doesn't hide. It doesn't run from difficulties or the enemy coming after him. So, so Paul is saying to Timothy, therefore, you must endure the hardship like a good soldier in, in Jesus Christ. But notice that. You're not a good soldier because of some organization tells you. Not because some person tells you. You're doing it because you do it for your Savior. Why do you go through hardship? Don't do it for me. Don't do it for some church organization. You go through hard times in doing what God's called you to do because of your Savior. That's why you go through hard times. That's why you endure. Why? Because he gives an even qualification, verse 4. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. As a soldier, you make a decision when you decide to become a soldier that you're no longer a civilian. I am a soldier. I'm not a civilian. I'm not supposed to act like a civilian. I'm not supposed to be talking like a civilian. I don't think like a civilian. I think like a soldier. I'm trained. I'm focused. And I know my mission. I know what I, my life is all about day in and day out 24-7. I'm a soldier. So I don't get caught up into the entangled in the things of this life because I have a purpose in life that I have to stay focused on. Why? Because I have what? He says, because you're wanting to please him, your commanding officer, who enlisted you as a soldier. You want to please your commanding officer. You don't want to go out there and be, not be found. You want to be available to commanding officer as he gives your commandments of what needs to be done to do the work that needs to be done. It's hard work. So how does that translate for you and I as a Christian? As for Timothy here. Timothy must take the attitude of a soldier who expects to endure hardship. And you're willing to do the hardship for the cause and the mission that God has called Timothy to do as a pastor. And no real soldier, or at least no good soldier, ever gave up simply because of hardship came their way. 
In the same way, if a believer is not willing to endure hardship, they will never accomplish much for Jesus Christ. They will give up as soon as something is hard. When something is inconvenient or commitment is required of them to be faithful. If they're not willing to do it because it's inconvenient, it doesn't fit their schedule, they will not accomplish much in the ministry. They will not be able to fulfill Jesus' calling on their life as a minister. Matthew 16.24 makes it very clear for you and I, does it not? If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me, Jesus says. Timothy must take the attitude of a soldier, Paul says, who changes and willingly detects himself or detaches himself from the things of this world and focus on the world that he's from, and that is heaven. Faithful soldier does not have the right to do anything that will entangle them and make them less effective in dishonoring as a soldier. You won't. If Timothy did not endure hardship, and if he did not put away the things that were entangling him in the affairs of this life, he would not please his commanding officer, Jesus Christ, who enlisted him in God's army. Where do I see that? Well, we see that clearly in Joshua 5.14. Jesus Christ is the commander of all heaven's armies. Jesus appeared to Joshua and says, that as a commander of the army of the Lord. Joshua 5.14. He is our commanding officer as a Christian. And we owe total obedience to him. And we are to live a life that is not entangled into this world. But we are faithful and committed to doing what our commanding officer asks us to do without a question. And Paul knew that this was how a Christian must act toward their Lord. And he was passing that on to Timothy as well. Now we see in verse 5 another illustration. An athlete. And how we're to stay committed and persevere for God with an an athlete's attitude. He says in verse 5, And also if anyone competes in athletics... He is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So we see here Paul often drew on the illustrations of exercise and athletics and and those kinds of things because the the culture of the Olympics and and, and the different fringes of the Olympics that took place in in Rome and those areas were always in the forefront. Just like the soldiers were everywhere, everything about Olympics and competing was in that culture. And so we can go back and you can go back and see how Paul often drew upon the world of athletics as an illustration regarding the Christian life. 
He usually mentions track and field, and he mentions boxing in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He used the illustration of wrestling in Ephesians 6.12. And he also uh, illustrated in 1 Timothy, if you remember back in verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 8, the value of exercising. It's one of many guys' favorite quotes on that one they like to memorize. So if you don't get my drift, go back and read 1 Timothy 4.8. but Paul says here if you compete in athletics there takes a certain attitude a commitment to stay the course of doing what it takes to be able to compete and compete well and if you're going to compete and compete well and for you to be crowned you must obey the rules If you do not obey the rules, you will not be crowned. You will be disqualified because he says there, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It's important because Paul makes it very clear in his point here, in his illustration, that an athlete can't make up the rules as he pleases. You just don't make up the rules. You must compete according to the rules that are outlined for them in that athletic um, competition. He needs to follow the rules if he's going to be crowned. And it is possible to fall into the same mistake as a Christian. Whereas a Christian of thinking that you can make up your own rules when it comes to a Christian life. I'll follow the rule to get saved, but after that, I'll, I make up my own rules. You're not going to be crowned and receive the crowns of rewards because you're not following the rules. For some people, their attitude goes something like this. I know this is sin. I know it is. I read it. The Holy Spirit convicts me every Sunday. But God understands my situation. He won't find it a big deal. Or I'll just keep doing this sin, um, or this sin is no big deal to God, and he, he's got bigger things to deal with than my, my little sin. The judge isn't going to call me out on this breaking of the rules. That's an attitude that many Christians find themselves in. That they can live however they want to live and still call themselves a Christian and think they're going to be rewarded as a faithful servant. Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, you know this is not how it works. So make sure you tell faithful men to teach the same thing. If you're, it's like an athletic kind of guy and a kind of gal. You don't make up the rules. You have to follow the rules. And the rules are what? The truths of God. You must obey the word of God. There's no getting around that, my brothers and sisters. You must. So Paul is clear to Timothy that he is to obey the word of God. No matter what people say to you, Timothy, you must obey the word of God. 
and how difficult it gets, Timothy, you do not walk away and turn away and not teach the whole counsel of God, Timothy. You are committed. You have to stay the course. You cannot change the rules, Timothy, and say you'll only teach half the Bible. Or you only teach certain things that are easy because it makes people feel good every Sunday. You teach the entire doctrine. The apostles' doctrines must be studied and taught, Timothy. No way of getting around it. Do not get swayed by other people to do it. Don't let the culture sway you. Don't let the people in the congregation sway you. You are committed to following the rules, and that is to teach the truth. That is not easy as a pastor because there's so many pulls and so many pushes and so many letters and emails and all kinds of things you can get from people listening and they don't agree with the word of God. They think it's me. I'm just teaching you the word of God. You don't hear my opinions, do you? You hear what the word of God says. And then you go back and you settle all that with the Lord. It's between you and the Lord. You be a Berean. Go back and do your additional study. Using the word of God. And watch what the Holy Spirit will do in and through your life. It will be glorious. Remember, you're not running the race to please people. You're not running the race, Timothy, for some prominence in the ministry. You are purely teaching the word of God and teaching others, Timothy, because it pleases Jesus Christ. That is why you're a minister, Timothy. That is why you're in the ministry, Timothy. That is why I have you where you, I have you. To please Jesus Christ, period. Now he continues here and he uses the next one we will talk about today and that is the farmer. I love this subject. We must stay committed, persevere for God with the attitude of a farmer. We see Paul writes here, the hard-working farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Now many when we read that like, what does that mean, Paul? Well, let me tell you what it means. I believe it's very clear what the scripture is. It's not complicated to me. As a pastor, it's not complicated to understand that verse. If you're not a pastor and you haven't been teaching the word of God, then this is going to be difficult for you to understand. You think, oh, they're eating, his, they're fir- they're eating the food first before anyone else. Isn't that selfish? No, 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 no. That's not what it means. What it means is that as Paul uses it in a lot of his letters, the analogy regarding the farmer and the field... He uses that because it requires hard work. It requires patience, long-suffering, and seasonal influx of things. You don't know what the season after seasons are going to do to affect your life. And the crops that you've just, uh, uh, you're trying to get the crop in, and the weather's not cooperating. And when you get the crop, you're trying to get the crop out of the field, and it's, the weather's not cooperating. Welcome to the ministry. So when you look at this, he even uses Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 and 9. Paul compared the local church to a cultivated field in which all believers work together to make that a fruitful field. Did you know that? Each Christian has a very particular 
tasks that God calls them to do in at farm. Some are called to plow. Some are called to sow. Some are called to watering. And some are called for harvesting. But it's God alone who gives the increase. You and I are trained to go out as farmers to do the work. And the land has to be cultivated. It needs to be plowed, sowed, watered, and harvested. What part do you play based on the spiritual gifts that he's given you? We don't worry about the size of the church. Right alone here alone is a perfect example if you started with us 10 years ago. We had nobody. We just said, let's just plow. And let's keep sowing. And let's just keep watering and harvesting. We, or only a few of us, did it. And then all of a sudden we had more people doing it. And we had more people doing it. And over the 10 years, we've had a lot of people plowing and sowing and watering and harvesting. But where did the increase come from? Only God. We never figured out some marketing scheme and plan to figure out how to increase the size of the church. You and I, that's not what a pastor does. We don't have some strategic, you know, quick growth mentality and, and whatever it takes to figure out how to, to you know, market and, and survey and figure out what people will tickle their ears for them to come. That is not in the scriptures. We just go out there and keep plowing and sowing the word of God. We keep watering it with the word of God. We keep harvesting where God brings us the harvest. But he does the increase. What a beautiful thing how God has created. But like a farmer here, Unlike the steward, unlike the soldier, unlike the athletic guy, the athlete, nothing is glamorous about the work of a farmer. Nothing. Not even the nation's best farmer who might make it on the National Farmer's Magazine is not glamorous and not a celebrity. I think probably the best-looking cow gets more of a celebrity than the farmer himself on that magazine. But a farmer deals with tedious work, boring work, and (laughs) unexciting moments sitting in a tractor for hours plowing by himself. That's what a farmer does. When no one else is around, he's out there plowing. Putting the seed in. Making sure, praying for the watering to take place, that God would bring the water down to nourish, to make that grow, to be fruitful. Praying man. That's what it means to be in the ministry. To do hard work. To do what God's called you to do. As a father, as a mother, as a worker, a servant, wherever it is that God has you. Are you like a farmer? Do you have that attitude? Are you willing to do what it takes to do hard work in the ministry, Timothy? 
Are you? Because God has no place for lazy ministers. If you will not stay committed to ministry, then get out of the ministry. If you will only stay committed and work hard because you want to be in the limelight, you ain't going to cut it. You only stay in the ministry because it's easy, easy pay and you can get money for doing nothing, get out of the ministry. If you're under specific terms, I'll serve only under certain terms and that's what I'll be willing to do, get out of the ministry. Because that is not what it means to be a minister. There are no specifics ifs and what ifs and possibles and maybes and I'll do it only if it fits my my personal schedule and it's convenient and easy and it pays well. <laughs> you chose the wrong column. Cuz I assure you God did not call you with that kind of attitude. And like a farmer you're to work hard and Paul said to Timothy knew the value of working hard. Paul knew that. And he's passing that on to young Timothy. Paul wasn't called just because he was called. He wasn't just doing the work of the ministry because it was a blessing. He didn't do it because he was somehow just anointed above anybody else. But Paul was to stay committed even in prison. He stayed committed and was writing the greatest letters that God gave him. Here's the words, Paul. Paul said, I'm committed even in prison. I'll write these down for you, God, so that it can be fruitful for whatever you're going to use it for. Even in prison, he was committed. And because of that commitment, going through hard times, that is why Paul's ministry was so fruitful. That is why. He was willing and he stayed committed in his ministry, doing whatever it takes, and that's why it was so fruitful. Some people expect something for nothing in the ministry. But wise people know that you often get out of things according to the measure of the commitment you put into it. If you are putting forth little uh, committed effort in your Christian walk, then you should expect little results in your Christian walk. And at the same time, Paul knew that all the work that he did was the gift of God's grace in him. How do we know that? Well, he says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. He says, I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. That is why he reaped what he sowed in the ministry. And Paul knew the balance of working hard, yet always knowing it was all of the grace of God that he was able to do it. And a farmer must be the first to partake of the crops. Why? Well, of course. Of course he gets to eat the crops. He did all the work. He's been slaving, working long hours. Of course he should be the first one to get the first fruits. Not according to the scripture. If you're talking about the fruit itself. God's word says, whatever you make, your first fruits are, come, are to come to him. You're not to partake of them. So what, what is Paul referring to here? 
Well, Paul is referring to the fact that Timothy, as you're partaking and you're out there in the Word of God, studying the Word of God, pondering in the Word of God, meditating on it, teaching the Word of God, and you're preparing and preparing and preparing, you must be the first one to receive what God has going to give you. Now, you aren't going to understand that unless you've taught the Word of God before. I sit and pour over and study the Word of God every single day, pondering on what seven verses that I'm going to be teaching you. But I have to partake first of the Word of God myself. If I don't partake of, the, of what God has given me, of the, of the crops, of the, what he's, the food, the spiritual food He's going to give me, what do I have to give to you? If I'd sit there and, and, and play golf all week and then show up on Sunday and give you a 10-minute sermonette, you're going to starve. You're literally going to starve. Why? Because my job is to feed you, the flock, the Word of God, and I can only give you what God gives me first. And that's what Paul's saying to Timothy. Timothy, you're going to labor like a farmer, man. You're going to be out there plowing in the word of God. You're going to be sowing and you're going to be, you're going to be watering. You're going to, you're going to be sweating and it's going to be long hours. But you're going to take, partake of the first fruit of the labor so that you can then give it out to others. You must be nourished, Timothy, if you're not nourished by the word of God, then you have nothing to give to others. So partake of the crops. And like a good farmer, and any godly pastor will work hard and he will patiently stay committed and wait for the harvest. And what is that harvest? Which is really the, is, it comes to the end of the age, is it not? Just keep going, Timothy, and going until God calls you home. That's what you do, Timothy. And don't look back. Regardless of what the season is, regardless what you don't see and, and all the difficulties and the naysayer, you just stay committed. And then finally here in verse 7, Paul says, Consider what I say, Timothy, consider what I say. And may the Lord give you understanding in all things. You know, I love this simple verse. Because he's, he's, he's really taking, like a dad, taking that, that boy's face and kind of saying, Okay, Timothy, you got my, I got your attention. I've been telling you a lot of things. But just look up and just keep your eyes on the Lord. Everything I'm telling you, to go past me, Timothy. Just look at the Lord, and I pray that you will get the understanding of what I've been teaching you from the Lord. The Lord gives you understanding. He'll give you the wisdom, Timothy. And all things, not just some things, but all things that he will give it to you. I just, he's, he said, I'm writing, I'm explaining, I've just given you just a few illustrations. He's going to give us some more here in the end of, a few more here at the end of the letter there of chapter, we call chapter two. But he's going to a few more illustrations so you can read ahead for next week. Or no, it's the following week because next week is a special teaching. 
But even in these four occupations that he illustrates to Timothy, the steward, if the steward stops teaching before the discipleship is complete, he will never see the maturity take place in the lives of people he's pouring his life into. If the soldier stops fighting before the battle is finished, then he'll never experience victory. If the athlete stops running the race before it is over, he will never win the race. The farmer who stops working before the harvest is complete will never see the fruit of his labor. And I love the one more analogy point that just the Lord brought back to memory just now. What happens when the farmer stops plowing the land? Stops doing the work. Weeds will take over. Thistles, thorns will take over that field. And let me encourage you, my brothers and sisters, today. And I've witnessed it more times than I, I care to even ponder on because it grieves me so. Those who started off well didn't finish well. They stopped plowing. They stopped sowing. They stopped watering. They stopped doing the work and weeds and thistles started coming back into their lives and just choked them out of the ministry. My prayer for you and I, my brothers and sisters, don't stop the work regardless of how hard it is. Because I want to see what God's going to do in and through your lives in the ministry, wherever he is having you serve. Be faithful, do the hard work, God will do the increase and the blessing in your life. Amen? Father, we thank you.